Welcome to Australian Hiker, your online hiking resource. We're your hosts, Tim and Jill Savage. This is episode 161 of the Australian Hiker podcast. And in this week's episode, we're going to be talking about hiking styles. Now, when we think about hiking, we create a picture in our mind of what a typical day looks like. And if there's an overnight stay, we build a a picture of what our campsite will look like at the end of the day. Now, the thing that we need to remember is that hiking is different for everyone, and there's no right view of the image that we create. How we come to hiking and camping will generate this mental picture. Um, Are we lifelong enthusiasts that started out as part of a family activity, sometimes forced? Uh, (laughs) Are we new hikers who only have just started? Are we the occasional hiker who does an adventure every so often and just turns up without wanting to do much work? Or maybe we don't fit into a single style of hiking and we'll choose our own adventure based on what we feel like. In this podcast, we discuss the common types of hiking and camping styles and where do you fit. We hope you enjoy. Now, before we start talking about the particular definitions and terms, one of the things that actually prompted me to do this podcast was uh, a few months ago, we actually did some car camping. We'll talk about that more in a minute. But as strange as it may seem, car camping is not something that we regularly do. No. Typically, we have a pack on our back. Uh, we're wandering through the bush uh, and we're camping as we go. So it did prompt me to think about the different types of camping and hiking that people have options to. And realistically, there is no right or wrong here. It's whatever gets you out there is is perfectly acceptable. So when we talk about camping, this is a generic term that I think everybody will have a a, a very clear picture in their mind, uh, which basically means we're sleeping at a tent. Uh, These days it might be a hammock uh, or a shelter of some sort. I used to have a friend who thought camping was defined by uh, the lack of a bar fridge. (laughs) Anything that didn't have a bar fridge, (laughs) a stocked bar fridge. (laughs) Uh, they obviously didn't go to some of the camping sites we've seen at Christmas time down the New South Wales south coast where people are in very large tents with plasma TVs and full-size fridges. Yeah, that's right. That's right. That's a whole new definition of camping, isn't it? So it's it's a generic enough term that's easily understood, but it really doesn't specify how you got there. All it says is you are sleeping in a tent or a shelter of some sort. Taking that to the next level, we've got camping as it relates to hiking. Now, if you're a hiker, uh, this definitely does create a picture in most people's minds that they can relate to. Uh, And we are really limited to what you can actually carry as a hiker. Now, this might be quite a wide variety, but ultimately you can only carry as much as you can physically fit into your pack and that you can physically carry. And what this tends to mean is the Camping and overnight uh, gear will tend to be smaller, more compact, and typically lighter weight. 
Now, we've talked about um, the trade-off in the past episodes uh, with hiking gear, and really it comes down to uh, you've got durability, uh, cost, and weight, and typically you can have two, but you can't have all three. <laughs> um, so in this sort of situation here, um, you uh, will work within a budget. Uh, you'll want something that fits one or two or three hikers, whatever it happens to be. Um, but you won't sort of get carried away and carry a four-person tent just to go out by yourself, or, you, or you're, at least you're unlikely to. So when you think of hiking and camping, you tend to think small and compact, and you tend to think limited luxuries. Uh, everyone will always carry some luxuries, but they do tend to be limited. Yeah, and I think it's an interesting one, isn't it? Because uh, just on that luxuries, you, you will decide what the one or two things are that, uh, you know, ha have most meaning for you, have most Im importance for you. We've talked previously about um, coffee and drinking coffee on the trail and, um, you know, I like my coffee but I, I won't take it on the trail with me. So that's something that uh, is a luxury for me but I won't take it hiking. And that's a good segue into the next type of camping, uh, and specifically we're talking about car camping. Now, car camping is a pretty descriptive term and leaves no doubt to what it entails. So as a car camp camper, you tend to drive to your camping destination, uh, and you'll either park your car almost immediately next to your tent, uh, as, in, as is the case in the picture uh, we have in the show notes or in the written article on this podcast, um, or you might only have a short walk. You might park uh, your car in the car park and walk 50, maybe 100 metres, uh, but you're not talking about walking kilometres to get to the, the campsite. Mm. Now, as a car camper, you are less limited by space and weight. I mean, you, there is still a limit. Uh, you've got to be able to physically fit you and whoever else is with you and all your gear into... A vehicle of in, some a kind. A vehicle of some kind. <laughs> um, but you... you you don't have that limitation that you tend to with uh, uh, when you're carrying a pack. Uh, and I think um, car camping often takes you into another realm as well because uh, because you're not so limited. I think people then start to have this whole definition of, um, you know, items that they want to take with them and it's almost starting to get into replicating what you might have in your home um, and and you do tend to, I think, carry a lot more stuff than perhaps you necessarily need. Now, from our perspective, um, we don't own a dedicated uh, car camping tent. We use our gear that we use when hiking. But what car camping does allow is those extras, as, as Jill talked about. So you can start bringing a small table and some comfortable chairs. Um, you can bring bottles of wine or alcohol because really you're not limited by the weight. You know, you can have an esky with some ice in it, uh, at least for a day or two, which means you can bring cheese and, and meat and all sorts of other food, which you wouldn't necessarily get away with uh, on a uh, a hiking-based uh, process? Well, not necessarily because you could also have a, a, a little um, fridge that you could charge with your car, Tim. So, you know, you might be able to have um, uh, cheese and all sorts of other items for several days rather than just, you know, one. That's true. I mean, 
The, um, the thing with car camping is it, it also tends to include things like motorcycles and push bikes. Uh, and I've, I know when we, we asked our community about uh, do they do car camping, we do get people respond and say, yes, they do on their motorbike or they, they load up their push bike and travel. Um, you, push bikes are a, bit, are a bit more limited to space, uh, but it does mean that you can actually travel somewhere uh, and the big advantage with um, car camping or vehicle camping is that it, uh, if you, particularly if you're doing longer trips, the accommodation costs are minimised. I mean, these days in Australia, an expensive campsite is probably around about the twenty, maybe twenty-five dollar mark. More often than not, it's much cheaper than that. Um, and um, you know, you compare that to staying in a hotel or a pub, even for a, a cheap one for a night, which is going to cost you upwards of 50 to $100, depending on where you're going. And there are also lots and lots and lots of camping areas that you can drive into that are actually free, um, you know, all, all, all over Australia. And, um, you know, you might only need to go into something a little bit more fancy every few days to um, have a shower or something like that. Now, the other bonus, as, as I mentioned, that we, Jill and I use our hiking gear in most cases because we don't do it often enough. But, you know, long term, we have a bit more uh, 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 long term plans to to do a bit more of it. Uh, and we're likely to get a dedicated car camping tent, which often means they, they tend to be a bit heavier in weight, a uh, bit more durable. They often tend to have standing room. Uh, you'll often have very comfortably two or three people uh, sleeping space, uh, and you'll have a vestibule where you can throw all your wet gear or get out of there without having to get into the tent uh, when it's pouring with rain. Yeah, the the option of a a, a big bigger tent, a tent that we could stand up on, um, wasn't the immediate thought that I had in mind when Tim's doing his longer trips and uh, I'm supporting him with food drops or just not necessarily wanting to hike for six weeks and uh, we went to a, um, uh, a what is it a, a a leisure show with lots of caravans and lots of and you know that was sort of um, a bit mind-blowing in a way because um, I couldn't believe the number of uh, caravans that had ovens and all I could think of was I have an oven in my house that I don't use <laughs> I'm not going to drive around with a caravan and an oven. But anyway, that's just me. Um, but my idea was to get a tiny, 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 tiny camper trailer. And uh, I thought that would be perfect for those times where uh, Tim and I are not out hiking together and I might be uh, in the vehicle and um, camping somewhere, a car camping somewhere while he's walking to or from uh, where, where I happen to be. And uh, that that sort of little image in my head was soon destroyed when I discovered that the tiny, tiny, tiny um, camper trailers had such tiny, tiny, tiny beds <laughs> that Tim didn't fit. <laughs> so it was a bit of a disaster and uh, walked away thinking, you know, I, I think I could save myself $25,000 uh, just by buying a bigger tent. <laughs> So that's how we landed on the bigger tent. <laughs> and I suppose something to think about with car camping as well. Um, many of you may have noticed that we, you're seeing a new vehicle in the, the images where we're putting up on our blog and podcast. Uh, and this is because we 
basically can both sleep in the back of this vehicle. We, uh, we supersized the, the Suzuki. <laughs> yeah, we did. So we made sure that whatever vehicle we ended up getting, we could actually sleep inside it. Um, yeah, and while it wouldn't be necessarily the thing we do all the time, it just means you don't have to rely on towing a trailer around or, or setting a tent up. Uh, yeah. self-contained. Yeah, and if the weather conditions were too bad or we got caught short or something like that, you know. Um, but we haven't done that yet, though. <laughs> no, no. Vehicle's 12 months old. We haven't done that. <laughs> Maybe that's on our list. I don't know. Now, the next type of camping slash hiking experienced is supported camping or supported hiking. Now, this is not a common term, but I think a lot of people will understand when we start talking about what it means. And really, this is a concept that sort of sits halfway between the traditional hiking and camping and glamping, which we'll talk about next. Now, the example I'll use here was on the Kangaroo Island Wilderness Trail, which we did a few years ago. And word of warning that this is um, now September 2020. Uh, the track was destroyed in last summer's bushfires um, and it will be rebuilt at some point, mm. um, but mm. it may be another year or two before it's accessible. Mm. Um, so it's um, use it as a guide only uh, and, again, use it as a long-term uh, add it to your bucket list because it really was worthwhile doing. I tell you, that bucket list is getting pretty, <laughs> pretty big week because we can't get out and do anything. So one of the examples on the Kangaroo Island Wilderness Trail, we uh, we did this as a group of three. We had a friend join us, uh, and um, what ended up happening was Jill and I carried our full packs and our food and everything for six days. Uh, our friend had uh, a back and a foot issue, mm-hmm. uh, so that she wasn't game to. Uh, be carrying a packet now that was 15 to 20 kilos. And she was also, this was a new experience to her as well. She didn't want to uh, overload herself and find out she was stuck on the track and couldn't do much. Uh, so what she ended up doing was she carried a day pack. Um, and at uh, when, when she left camp at the, at the end of the, the night, she would put her pack inside a locked trailer. She had the code for the trailer. Um, and magically uh, the trailer would appear at the next campsite. She would unlock the trailer, um, get her pack out, uh, and set up her tent and get ready to go. So it means she had all the same equipment we did, she just didn't have to carry it for the whole day. Yeah, and it was a pretty good system, Um, very, very reliable and um, quite secure. Um, I think she did probably uh, pack a little bit more than she needed <laughs> on the basis that she didn't have to carry anything. Um, but I guess, you know, this these things happen, so uh, you may as well take advantage of the luxury. Um, she did ask me it was going to be cheaper if uh, uh, the transport included other packs. Um, she did ask me if I would like to go in with her and get my pack uh delivered each day to the campsite but uh yeah somebody said i wasn't allowed to do that (laughs) guess guess who that was (laughs) so i think uh, in in that sort of instance uh she still had to set up her tent at the end of the day she still had to cook a meal uh she still had to pack everything away and load it into the trailer the next day but what it did mean is that in her situation where she was worried about injury Yeah, uh, yeah it was a good option for her um, the distances didn't seem to worry her, but it was she was just worried about carrying a heavy pack over those distances. So it worked really well. 
From there, we go on to glamping. Now, I think glamping is a term that every probably every person in Australia is probably aware of, even if they've never done it, even if they're not a hiker or a camper. Now, and I think in part this is because we tend to make fun of this as a term <laughs> when we say people are glamping. Um, and glamping or glamorous camping uh, takes you, your usual basic setup and takes it to the extreme. Typically, when we're thinking of glamping, this is a style of hiking where, again, you probably carry a day pack, which is probably about the minimum you need. So you're carrying your snacks, your rain gear, your water, whatever else you want to use for the day, but all your extra clothing, your sleeping gear, uh, uh, your whatever else you, you don't particularly need uh, during the daytime, uh, it gets transported either by um, uh, vehicle or animal to the next campsite. Now, we had this uh, occur in uh, Bhutan a few years ago. Now, we still walked. We carried day packs. Uh, but when we got to the, uh, the site uh, at the end of the day, uh, we, the tent was set up. All we had to do was put our, uh, uh, blow up our sleeping mats and put our uh, 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 sleeping bag in place. Uh, and then we went out and had food that was being cooked for us. It wasn't really glamping, though, was it? I mean, that was more assisted assisted camping, I guess I would. And this is where there's this sort of, you know, um, blurred line between, you know, independent hiking and assisted hiking and then on to glamping. And I think, um, you, you know, it's all good options and sometimes – you uh, do the assisted thing because you're in places where you're unfamiliar or whether you're in a foreign country or something like that. But, you know, I, th- I think it's um, a, ra- a range of options and pick the one that suits you, I think, or even suits the site that you're, you're, you're hiking in. Yeah, so, I mean, that's that's probably what I've gone through and described is probably the, the base grade of glamping, if you like. And <laughs> I know, yeah, I don't know whether I know. I'm not sure I would call that glamping. Um, yeah, if you have a look at the image. I don't on, think there was any alcohol in that. No, there was no alcohol, but again, when, you, when you've got uh, uh, plates and knives and cups and you, you have a choice of which spread you have on your toast and uh, which cereal you want the next morning. S- supported. Is it supported yeah. camping or supported hiking, maybe? Um, but, you know, when you take this to the extreme, there's definitely no confusion about what it is. Uh, and I'll use as an example here, if you do the overland track uh, walk in Tasmania, which Jill and I have done, uh, we did it uh, moving from hut to hut and uh, we stayed in the hut uh, huts most nights. Um, uh, but sometimes we could have stayed outside, but we were pretty much self-supported. There was an option to do the luxury version of this, if you like, and you can stay in cabins on each night. Um, And we talked to some of the guides about what that involved, and they explained that you you get to your 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 bulk of your packs are taken to uh, the next uh, location each night. Um, You have a chef cooked meal. Uh, You have a bottle of wine or beer. You often have a fire, Um, and again, really really flash breakfast. Shower and dinner. Shower and and, and a proper bed uh, before starting off walking again the next day. Now, with this style of hiking slash camping, you definitely pay for it. Yeah. Um, it's, it's certainly by no means cheap. Um, 
But there's nothing wrong with that. Oh, um, well, yeah, you get you get cared for, you get looked after, and you know you 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 get a pretty good, uh, I think a a good set of memories. Let me just put it that way. Hey, one of the other things that you often come across, um, particularly in Australia, also in Africa and some areas of Africa as well, where you get the shelter you're staying is from the outside. It really is a tent, uh, but it's a large virtually permanent tent and then you get inside and there's a fixed bed and you've got wi-fi and tv and a bar fridge and electricity so you know the the outside of what you're staying in doesn't necessarily have to be a solid built structure uh, and as i said quite often it can be a tent or a canvas style thing that's that's just been fitted out as best as you can and th- there's quite a bit of that in um, australia now uh, in all sorts of different environments and Probably not even really associated with any hiking at all. So you yeah. just lob up and <laughs> enjoy this amazing, luxurious experience in the middle of nowhere. Okay, now the last type of style of hiking we're going to talk about is dirt bagging. Now, this is a term that really is a US-based term. It's not commonly used in Australia, but it does describe um, a style of hiking that does exist in Australia is just that many people just don't tend to put a name to it and, and dirt bagging really does describe what it is. The connotation associated with dirt bags is uh, someone who is committed so much to a particular lifestyle they tend to abandon normal and I say normal in, in, <laughs> in quotes here society to live for the activity. There can often be some confusion between a dirt bag and a hippie, but typically the dirt bags are all about the activity as opposed to the lifestyle itself. You know, I'm sure if you offer the dirt bag a chance uh, to live in a luxury accommodation, they'd take it at the drop of a hat. This is a really weird um, label, I guess I'll call it that. And, and I don't know, um, I know I've read some things um, about... Uh, people who profess to be dirt baggers and and it's just a really weird name to attach to, to yourself and I, I just it it doesn't sound fabulous at all but uh. now I I have come across people who fit into this category uh, and this is on Australia's long trails uh, and I do know of people that basically live on the trails now uh, I've come across individuals who have walked. Um, and I, I know I keep on mentioning this, but the, the Bibbleman track. My Bibbleman track. My Bibbleman track trip, yeah. Yes. <laughs> um, and they've done this, this track 10, 20, 30 times uh, and they walk sections or they work whole, sec- whole parts of the trail. Uh, they'll get off, they'll get a part-time job, they'll do a bit of carpentry work, do a bit of handyman work, build up a bit of money to allow them to go back out hiking again. So... The real world experience, if you like, is all about allowing them to live on trail and to be on trail. Yeah, I mean, there was actually a guy that you met that um, pretty pretty much lived on the trail um, and, um, yeah, just, you know, w- walked up and down and uh, experienced it in different times of their year and, uh, yeah, I guess if you can do that or you're willing to do that, I don't know. Yeah, so it's it, again. It, it really is a US based thing, and from my perspective, I've I always associated um, with long distance hiking community and also the rock climbing community in the US. 
Um, so it's, as I said, it's not a particularly common term in Australia, but when you're trying to put a label on somebody, you know, that lives on a hiking trail, um, this is as probably good as like good a label as any, I think. Uh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> it's just a, it's just a weird kind of thing. I mean, I think the other thing that comes with that is, you know, they have absolutely minimal possessions. So, you know, when you're talking about the lifestyle, it is really about rejecting, uh, I guess, consumerism and um, all of those things that, you know, go with that, which are obviously things like, you know, work, working for to live in a house, working to buy things, working to, um, uh, uh, I, I, I guess, surround yourselves with a, f- a few luxuries. So they've, they've abandoned that aspect, I think. Yeah, so, you know, it's very much a transient lifestyle uh, and it's all about the basics you need to live to let you do what you want to do. Okay, so just as a, a final thought on that, I mean, the main aim of hiking and camping is all about getting into the outdoors, enjoying nature getting some exercise and generally just decompressing from the hustle and bustle of, uh, of a, um, a consumer-driven, um, technology-driven modern society. Now, each of us has our own reasons for getting out and about, and there isn't just one way of doing it. And, and as I said in the introduction, really, I hadn't actually thought about car camping as being something that Jill and I do, uh, and, and it is really we don't. <laughs> because we don't. It, it really, it really is rare for us. But it, it, you know, we are looking at it uh, over the next sort of five to ten years as being a viable option uh, for getting between camping sites. We don't necessarily want to stay in a hotel every time we move around. Uh, having a tent that we can go to a a campground. Uh, minimise the costs, yeah, providing the weather's good and everything else is good. Um, but it gives you that versatility to be able to say, well, I'll, I'll stay in an accommodation tonight or no, I'll stay in a tent and you can just move around and do what you like. Yeah, and we can we can join all of those um, thousands of other people who have discovered that um, because they can't go anywhere else, they're going to explore um, their own state, I think it is now with uh, COVID, and ultimately we might be able to explore um, Australia. So apparently, the the sales of um, tents and camper vans and caravans has <laughs> just skyrocketed. So um, you know, and that, and uh, I think people have spent time renovating their homes and doing their gardens during COVID. So, yeah, it's, it's, it's interesting what we discover uh, when we can't do other things. So I think ultimately what it comes down to is the phrase hike your own hike. Do what makes you happy. Absolutely. Do, do, do what you enjoy and don't let anyone else tell you you're doing it the wrong way. Yeah, If you go and camp in your car and go for two-kilometre walks, that is fine. You know, it, it gets you out there. It gets you out, out into nature. It doesn't matter. There is no right one way of doing things. It's what suits you. Yeah, and it's not a competition, is it? That's the other thing. Okay, we hope you've enjoyed this short episode on camping styles. 
Um, and I'd be interested to hear where you fit into this category. You know, do you recognise yourself in any of these things? Are you a dirtbag? Are you a car camper? <laughs> let, let us know when we go through and post this episode on Facebook. Oh, and whether or not you've got another uh, label that you attach to yourself that describes the kind of uh, camping that you do. Okay, that's all for this week's episode. Next week, we're going to be interviewing uh, the CEO of Soldier On. It seems like a weird uh, interview to do for a hiking podcast, but there is method behind the madness there. So uh, keep an eye out for that episode in a week's time. That's all for me. Bye for now. And bye from me. This is episode 161 of the Australian Hiker Podcast. And in this week's episode, we're going to be talking about glamping. No, we're not.